Over the last few episodes, we've been talking about this strategy state supervisors use to approach the rapid change of the financial system. That strategy is called networked supervision, and it has a lot of different parts to it. There's the technology aspect of it with state-of-the-art licensing and monitoring tools, the collaboration aspect where states share information, and the streamlining aspect where regulators make the process easier for companies and more impactful for consumers. But really, networked supervision comes down to three core concepts. One, making the process of getting a financial business started faster, easier, and safer for the company and consumers. Two, making the process of examining those businesses faster, easier, and more useful for all parties. And three, providing regulators with state-of-the-art monitoring tools that permit them to see real-time what's going on, as broad as the financial system as a whole, or as granular as a single institution, or sometimes even a single business transaction. The result of all of this is a world where state examiners can fulfill their mandate of protecting consumers and ensuring local economic growth, where companies can spend less time on compliance and focus on serving their customers, and consumers can rely on their regulator to be watching out for them and their money in a rapidly changing tech-driven world. Today, we are continuing our focus on point number two of network supervision, making the examination of businesses better. And we are continuing a discussion on a concept known as one company, one exam, where large companies operating across the nation could see fewer exams as more states team up to conduct them. But while we talked about money transmission last time, today we're talking about mortgages. And we're really fortunate. We'll be talking to two expert examiners who have both been in the business for more than 20 years about what's changed in mortgage supervision and what one company, one exam will mean for them. I'm Matt Longacre, and this is Simply Stated. So today I'm joined by two examiners who are experts in mortgage supervision and have been instrumental in developing one company, one exam for mortgage companies. Could you both introduce yourselves for me? Uh, my name is Anthony Polidori. I'm the deputy director with the Idaho Department of Finance. I'm also the vice chair of the Multi-State Mortgage Committee. I've been with the Department of Finance for about 20 years and all that time has been in the supervision of non-depository entities such as mortgage companies uh, and various other consumer financial services companies. Hi, my name is Kirsten Anderson. I'm the Licensing and Non-Depository Programs Manager for the Oregon Division of Financial Regulation. I've been with the, the division for about 21 years now. I am currently the president of the American Association of Residential Mortgage Regulators. Uh, as regulators, can you just tell me a little bit about some of the current challenges involved in supervising mortgage companies that operate in multiple states? And Kirsten, if you want to go ahead and go first. Uh, well, currently it's COVID. <laughs> Probably the biggest challenge we have is COVID has made such a drastic change to um, you know, how we operate with our staff not in the office. They aren't able to talk to one another as regularly. Um, not having in-person conferences, 
I didn't realize how much networking we do at the various conferences across um, the, the states that we have each year, both with other regulators as well as with the industry and that sharing of information. Um, it certainly had an impact on our examinations. Um, we did do a number of desk exams um, for companies that were out of state in the past. However, now all exams are, you know, desk exams. And, and we are seeing a little bit about um, what the restrictions are with those. And um, it, it's surprising to us that some of those restrictions aren't just in the, oh, it's harder to get access to records, you know, quickly because people are working from home, but also just missing out on some of that one-on-one -on -one communication that you start to establish with companies, um, doing things just over the phone um, and via email is so much more impersonal. And it was really nice when we could get out there and actually have face-to-face -face meetings with companies and and work on establishing that working relationship. Yeah, I would say uh, in not taking into consideration uh, the pandemic. I think the pandemic has brought on a lot of challenges for all of us, uh, whether you're a company or a regulatory agency. Uh, many of those challenges are related to the, the ability to communicate in person or uh, be able to actually visit a, a site location uh, when you're conducting an examination. Outside of those challenges, the challenges for supervising multi-state entities or companies that operate throughout the country for a small agency like Idaho is the expanding expanding geographical area of our responsibility, uh, where once before, you know, we may have only had companies in the state that we examined. Now we have companies, you know, all the way out to Florida. We have companies in California. We may even have companies overseas that are engaged in activity. And so a difficulty for us is that with this expanding geographic area of, of supervision, we have to increase staff. We have to increase our capabilities of being able to examine these companies uh, to be able to know that we had some type of on-site touch at some point in time with a company that we licensed that's outside of our state becomes more and more difficult uh, as the area expands in this uh, in those programs. And so what would be some of the current pain points, some of those specific areas where it's extra difficult to conduct these multi-state exams now that you're examining companies all across the country? Pain points for us, you know, it really kind of comes down to, you know, our ability to go out to that out-of-state entity. So it's travel cost. Uh, it's travel time. And timing is probably more important than anything else because it is capital to us. Uh, having the time to conduct the number of examinations that we need to in a year hinges a lot on our ability to get out to those companies, uh, to be able to get information back from those companies, and to actually, you know, go on site and see what's going on with a particular entity that we might supervise. And I think I would add to that, the, the time factor is so um, interesting to me because uh, scheduling an exam of a company that is multi-state uh, just takes so much longer for us because we have to look at, you know, where would we go if we're going to go physically, you know, if the company isn't just one that operates in multiple states, but has locations in multiple states where they might be conducting different types of activity. You know, it's not uncommon for us to deal with a company who may have, for instance, their their bankruptcy unit is in one uh, state and then their, you know, their normal servicing units are located in three other states. Um, you know, and it, it makes the, that scheduling, even if we can go on site of a multi-state examination, so much more difficult. 
considering all of these things, uh, you two have been really deeply involved in a new initiative. Um, Anthony on the CSBS side, Kirsten on the Armor side. Uh, today, CSBS and Armor announced something called the One Company, One Exam pilot for mortgage companies. Can you all tell me a little bit about what that entails? Okay, well, I'll go ahead and start. And, and it really comes down to a, a pilot program or a policy uh, related to one company, one examination, where its primary tenants are to increase coordination amongst the states and reduce the regulatory burdens that a company experiences and also reduce some of the burdens that the states experience when they're trying to conduct these multi-state examinations. It's very similar to a recent uh, pilot that was conducted for MSB examinations. It was successfully completed in 2019, and it's now the core of network supervision in the MSB space. So while the pilot is based on this MS MSB pilot for mortgage companies, the execution and the processes will be slightly different for mortgage regulators. I happen to be on the money transmitters board, so I've been watching this pilot for a while um, and enjoying seeing how successful it was and now rolling it out to many more companies. And it's one of those things as you watch something happen in one space and you start thinking about the benefits that it's had. There's better communication. There's working together. There's less uh, intrusion on the company, and yet we're not really sacrificing anything in the examination of the company. And the the getting states to work together and seeing how they work together in these pilots is really something that just goes to the heart of everything that CSBS has been working towards and that Armour supports with, you know, network supervision and, um, you know, that, that, coordination among the regulators to reduce the burden on industry without sacrificing um, our regulation and our protection of consumers. Um, so I'm really excited to see how this works in the mortgage space. It's very clear that, you know, we have to make some changes because every industry has its own unique flavor. And so we'll have to make changes that make it work better for mortgage, but it's really a positive um, area in which we're going. And I really think that for many states, particularly like mine, where we have a limited number of examiners, you know, this really is going to allow us to capitalize on working together and expanding our, our resources um, to, you know, meet our objectives of, of regulation. So as far as I understand it, um, having interviewed previously uh, on one company, one exam for MSBs, this means that uh, that regulators will be able to work together. They'll be able to look at one company with one point of contact, um, a lot of different benefits that will really streamline it for both sides. Is that about right? Well, yeah. I mean, it, it basically comes out, each exam ends up in one of three ways. You either join the multi-state exam and participate in the examination, or you know, you can elect to let the examination go forward and use the results yourself, um, you know, and accept what the examination team finds, or then just agree not to examine the company during the moratorium period. And, you know, there'll be a lot um, of these details that are explained as we roll this program out, but it's a fairly simple way um, for states to look at a company and say, is this one where we feel like we need to get involved? And we need to be part of the examination team. Or is this one where maybe there's, you know, minimal impacts on our state so we can just sit back and, and you know, see what the examination team comes up with? 
you know, or if it's one where, you know, maybe you've just conducted an exam and you're not looking at needing to go back in anytime soon in order to meet accreditation standards or other state requirements for, um, you know, routine examinations, then you can just wait until the moratorium period ends and schedule your next exam as you wish. Um, but it really ensures that that company also gets a benefit in that they're not going to be facing multiple states coming in and conducting examinations during that moratorium period. There will be just the one examination. So it sounds like companies will be keen on on getting in on this if this eventually or when this eventually rolls out to more to to more companies, because it sounds like they will have fewer exams. And it sounds like for the states, there'll be more effective exams. Certainly, if I were in the industry, I would be one saying, hey, sign me up. I'll you know, I'd, I'd love to see this from from my company perspective, because I do see that companies will have a much um an added benefit of reduced regulatory burden when it comes to examinations. And uh, these exams are going to be run through a a new technology called the state examination system. Now you've probably seen or or worked through some of that using the MSB side of things. So you've probably got a good idea and probably better than me. How is this technology helping make exams easier? Well, I'm going to jump in on this one because we're in the throes of putting Oregon on SCS. Um, and I'm so very excited to start using it. Um, we, our examination is about 20 years old, and so it was definitely time for an overhaul. So we used um, the idea of joining SES as the impetus to basically rewrite our entire examination. And we looked at how SES was set up and how it functioned. We looked at multi-state examinations and, and how they are um, conducted, and we used the mortgage examination um, templates from the MMC to, to build our Oregon examination, and we used the way that SES functions to build how our process will work, as well as ensuring that we're hitting the highlights of what should be in a core examination while adding in our state-specific Um, Now that we have everything in the system and we are ready to go and running our own pilots, um, we're so excited because we didn't have a good comprehensive way of um, tracking examinations, of maintaining the paperwork. So for us, we'll have that one contact with the company outside of SCS to initiate the examination with them, tell them it's starting and direct them to SES and get them into the system and using it. And then all of our examination will be tracked through SES, the communication, the handing over of documents, um, you know, both them providing their information request and us responding to that information request will be through that system. As a manager, I'm so excited because it's going to give me such better view of where my examiners are in exams and what's the holdup on that exam getting done. Better tracking on timing than me doing calculations in Excel. You know, so there's there's a great benefit for the company because it's secure. Um, it's fairly consistent once they've done a few exams in it. Those exams, you know, the process of that exam is going to look very similar Um, For my examiners, it's going to give them the ability to share better with other examiners, see what other states have done. We're very excited to start being able to adopt other states' exams by seeing what they've done um, and make that request to them through SES to have access to their examination report. 
and share that information. Um, for us, this is probably the only way Oregon will be able to meet accreditation standards and conduct the number of exams that we need to conduct is by having this coordination with other states and SES is paving the way for us to do that. That's really excellent. And you've teased some of this out already, uh, but I want to make sure that, that we nail down a couple of these really important points. So you've already talked about having a single uh, point of contact for the company and a single point of contact on the examiner side. Uh, but can you tell me, how are you assuring that um, if you do this joint exam and a company puts all of this work into it, that an independent state will not go and conduct an exam during this moratorium time where where states are not supposed to conduct another exam? Uh, it's, a, it's a difficult question to answer. Um, I mean, the fact of the matter is, is that every state has its own sovereign authority to conduct an examination. What we're hopeful of is that those states who are participating in this process will observe the moratorium that would be placed on a company uh, or the examination of a company after the start of the one company, one examination pilot or, or any one company, one examination activities. Uh, we believe that most states will participate. Uh, those states that, you know, use the SES system already will have a, you know, incentive to do so because they're already on the system. Those who don't currently use the SES system will be uh, potentially exposed to a new system of automation that's going to help them out in their own exam processes that aren't multi-state related. And so I do see a, a, a willingness on the part of states to participate in this, in this system. Our hope would be that most states would observe the protocols that we're putting out. There is a considerable amount of peer pressure that we probably will have to exert over states to um, participate in this. Um, you know, the reality is we've had similar pilots in other areas and those have worked pretty well. When we have done multi-state examinations in the past, we have had some states want to start their own examination, um, you know, while we were in on multi-states and we've, you know, picked up the phone and, and, or dropped an email or in the days where we could, you know, talk to them in person at a, a conference and said, Hey, you know, could, could you move yours? Could you join ours? You know, let's have some consideration for the company is going to be busy, particularly when there's a multi-state examination going on in responding to all of those requests. Can we give them a break? Um, we have that sort of coordination that we've engaged in in the past. So we have a track record of working together. Yeah. And so I think one way that that you do exert that peer pressure is by making these exams really comprehensive. So I was wondering if you could just cover for me. You know, if, if, a, if a state decides not to participate in the exam or just to accept the results, how can they be certain that the exam is going to cover everything that they'll need to know to meet the minimum qualifications of their state or feel comfortable with the operation of the company? Well, the nice part about using SES is there is a set of core um, questions to examination. So as you put an examination in and you pick your areas for review, there are core questions um, that the examiner is supposed to use as procedures that are preloaded. You know, so the reality is this SES system should give states comfort that areas are being reviewed and they're re being reviewed, you know, to a set level in order to meet those requirements. The reality is that time is going to, you know, increase people's comfort. There are some of us who've already worked pretty closely with other states and feel very comfortable with, you know, the quality of their exams and the, their examinations, particularly regionally. We have a tendency to already rely upon one another 
Um, I think as we begin to use SES more consistently and we start seeing what other states are doing, it definitely is going to increase that comfort zone. And that is part of the reason why when Oregon went to rebuild its own exam, we look to see what are those core questions that are already in SES as the procedures? What are the core information requests that it's loads that it's loading? You know, is there is there a way so that we can make sure that when we complete a comprehensive exam as Oregon, another state will feel comfortable that we've looked at all of the issues and the best way we could figure to do that was to make sure we were covering the core every single time. Or in our case, if there's something where we're not going to be doing that comp comprehensive review, we're going to be very clear to make sure everybody understands it was a limited scope exam when we're putting it in SES. And, and if I'll add, if I can add, um, for the particular pilot that we're rolling out in 2021, you know, the MMC is actually taking into consideration that comfort level of the states and their ability to accept the examinations. And based on that, we've, we've increased the scope of this particular pilot examination that we'll be conducting later to include origination, servicing, and IT and cybersecurity operations. You know, it's our hope by doing that, we're going to give the state system the best opportunity to succeed and make it easier for all those other agencies who may not have participated on the examination themselves to accept the report of examination once we're done with the pilot. All right. So you're being really careful about scope. You're you're documenting really well in SDS. With this program itself, what is the timeline for the pilot? And what do you think the future of this program is going to look like? Well, I'll answer the question about the timeline. Um, and it's pretty well uh, spelled out in, in our uh, policy itself on how we're going to be treating these examinations. But for the pilot that we'll be running in 2021, we've already started planning at the MMC for the examinations that are going to play, take place in 2021 and identifying the company that will be subject to the pilot. The examination for that pilot uh, entity will begin in July of 2021 itself. That's when our first day letter will be sent out. At that point in time, we'll be notified or the, the company will be notified through the EIC of the information request and our, and our start date for the examination. That start date is planned at this time to begin in October of 2021. And at that point in time, we'll begin the on-site portion of the examination, and that's when the 15-month moratorium will begin for examinations on the company. So those company, those agencies that who have chosen to decide to participate in the one company, one examination policy or procedures will have that moratorium placed on them while we're con continuing out the examination activities for the company. The on-site portion of the examination and the examination work would be expected to last about three weeks. Uh, and then an examination report would be drafted. Most likely that draft report based on our current protocols would be due in February of 2022. And that's when it would be issued to the company, giving the company an opportunity to respond to the examination report sometime in March of 2022. Our hope would be that if everything goes smoothly with the company, uh, the company is quick in its responses to anything that might be outstanding on the examination and during the examination itself that they'll have a moratorium on examinations from that period of October of 2022, or sorry, 2021, all the way through December of 2022. That means that we're looking at being able to kind of analyze the results of this sort of program and this pilot sometime in early 2022. Uh, what happens then? What, what do you anticipate the future for this program will look like? Do you anticipate more companies being a part of this or smaller companies? What, what's the end goal here? Well, we've already seen through the pilot um, that was done on the money transmission side that one year they did a one company, one exam pilot and are now 
expanding that to more companies. Um, I suppose the biggest hope would be that the pilot goes so successfully that all the companies out there are clamoring for us to come do um, their examinations and, and have a one company, uh, one examination for, you know, all of the companies that, you know, are reasonably within that multi-state sort of process. Um, I, what I suspect the outcome will be is we will learn a lot from the pilot, make some adjustments, and then probably roll this out for over a number of companies that fit um, you know, the appropriate parameters that we learn from running the pilot. As an MMC member, I'll just throw out there that you know I would invite any company that sees this process kick off um, that may have some experience with multi-state examinations uh, in the past that they may want to just contact us and let us know that they're interested in being a pilot uh, company or participating in this process at the beginning so we can we can evaluate how it works with those larger companies, especially companies that we may have already examined. Um, and I do think that, you know, a lot of the, the evaluation is not going to wait until 2022. Uh, we'll be evaluating this process all the way from the very beginning. You know, how well does it work with the communication systems in SES uh, starting in July? How well does the company respond using the SES system and to all the state partners on the examination beginning in October? How well does the company respond to the examination results and the report of examination in February of 2022? We'll be monitoring the process all the way through, and I'm, I'm assuming that you know we will be making some corrections here and there where we need to and improving the process as we go so we don't wait all the way until uh, December of 22 to determine whether or not there's something that needs to be changed. We'll probably be making those changes along the way. What do you, you both envision the future of collaboration and coordination between states with the state and federal government? How do you think that's going to change in the next five to 10 years? And, and how do you think uh, network supervision is going to fit into that? Well, I, I guess I'm going to start off by saying I'm a huge fan of the concept of network supervision. We are sovereign states and we do each state does have their own um, you know, twist on what they're concerned about. But the reality is, you know, we are dealing with a lot of companies that affect all of our states. And to have effective regulation and supervision of these companies, we do have to work together. We all have limited resources. We have limited staff. We have limited budgets. We have limitations in our statutes um, that, you know, may not allow us to look at some things you know, in one state and in another state, you can. So by working together, we leverage all of our resources. We, you know, leverage the different tools that each of us has in our toolbox. And I think together we are better at regulating these companies with better, you know, with our communication with one another and, you know, talking about our concerns and what we're seeing. So overall, when it comes to network supervision, I do see it as the way that we have to go to survive um, just because it's the the industries are becoming more complex and and um, the companies are larger and that's a bigger burden on you know the limited resources that each individual state has. You know, so it's that working together that allows us to achieve each of our individual missions. Um, you know, with, with what we have available to us. And for my answer on that, net, network supervision is a process, you know, that we've been engaging in for decades already. 
Uh, we, we began the process of network supervision here in Idaho when we first adopted our Mortgage Practices Act and started working with states like Oregon and Washington in evaluating you know, companies that were coming in to get licensed in Idaho that were already operating in those other states. You know, it, it increased in you know the 2000s when you know together state partners were starting to do joint examinations uh, and just getting out and, and seeing companies you know with maybe one or two states in the examination team. And then, as we said, you know, a little over 10 years ago, we began the MMC process and began doing multi-state examinations. So I think network supervision is an evolving process, and it will evolve into uh, a, a point at a point, you know, where we're conducting more real-time communication as state regulators about the entities that we all supervise, that we have better relationships between the state partners and also even better relationships with our, our supervised entities. Uh, the ability to you know, call, up, um, call up a company or notify a company through SES about an examination and at the same time be able to notify all your state partners, hey, I'm conducting an examination of a particular company. Who would like to join me on this particular examination? Or it might even be just automated real-time monitoring of our licensed entities you know, with information that we receive either through state partners or from our own uh, automated systems that we have developed jointly. Uh, so I do think that you know the, the future of network supervision is the future, uh, that that is something that we will be doing. Is, as Kirsten mentioned, you know, we are all sovereign states. We all have our own particular requirements. And I do think that we can still fit those together with a supervised or supervision scheme uh, for the non-depository state system that is very well networked. You know, as we were talking about this, I was remembering back, it's, you know, been 20 years for both Anthony and I, and that we've been doing this. And I remember back 20 years ago where, you know, it never occurred to me to pick up a phone and call another state because that wasn't how it was taught when I started and, and my predecessors were telling me how we do things. Um, you know, we were just starting conversations about, well, couldn't we use one another's licensing forms or accept one another's licensing forms? And that you know blossomed into what is now the NMLS. And I feel like we're going through that same thing now with the examination systems where it's, well, couldn't we accept another state's exams? And now it's blossoming into you know SES and that ability to accept one another's. We are evolving as regulators. Our, our ability to work together is evolving as, as regulators as it should. Um, you know, so definitely it's, it's just a continuation of a trend, as Anthony says, that's been going on for a long time. We're just being more sophisticated about it. It's the continuation of a trend, but it's also the culmination of a lot of really hard work. And this is really thrilling news that you got to share with me today. So I just want to say thank you both for your work and for coming on to teach me about it. Thank you. It's been a pleasure to be here. Yes, thank you. It's very, very great to have this opportunity to speak. Thank you so much for joining in. If you're interested in more news on network supervision, please be sure to subscribe to this podcast. We'll be doing a few releases before the holidays, then we'll return with a ton more news on how supervision will transform in 2021 and beyond. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Matt Longacre, and this was Simply Stated.